What games define you? Find ours out now. Hello and welcome to Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. I am your host, Brett, back and alongside me, Mr. Saw Bridges, bringing you lucky episode 63. See, I decided I wasn't going to pound the table. I was going to do some jazz Hand, fingers. Yeah, some magic hands. Jazz fingers or for magic those, hands. For you those know, that are missing out on the, uh, on the video that are listening to us audio, you got to see those jazz hands. you got to see them. So if you even want to come to YouTube, just see, you know what? We will make, uh, we've already done jazz hands gif once. So I guess you've probably seen me jazz hands before on Twitter if you follow us there. But we are Triangle Square Day PlayStation Podcast. We come to you every Monday at 10 a.m. PST and 12 p.m. CST on YouTube. And that's, uh, you know, if you want to watch us in video format, like we mentioned. Uh, if you do and you want to subscribe to us, keep up with our videos. Uh, this week we're doing a lot of E3 stuff. So if you are curious to see what our uh, you know live set. reactions to those are. Uh, and we know a lot of people like to watch those themselves. But if you want to come back and see what we thought, uh, we're doing that. Uh, and if you want to, uh, you know, let us know your thoughts of the E3 stuff and other videos, we definitely appreciate the comments. Um, and you can also find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, not Spotify. I'm sorry. Everything but Spotify. It was supposed to be Spotify. It never happened. So yeah, you can find us on podcast services. If you listen to us on podcast services that have a rating system, give us a rating or consider giving us a rating. Uh, helps us know how we're doing, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. And of course, we like getting your ideas, uh, on there, but also through any means of, uh, of reaching out to us. You can do it on uh, our email at triangle SQ. I'm sorry, at triangle squared, triangle squared podcasts at gmail.com or to our Twitter, which is at triangle SQRD. But without further ado, Saul, this has been the build up week to E3. What have you been playing or have you just been sitting in your chair, tapping your fingers waiting? Playing Dark Souls (laughs) three. We're back to that again. If you guys have been here with us since the very beginning, you will know that I love Dark Souls three. And, uh, he played it for like, I want to say like literally eight episodes in a row. That was his only game that he was playing. Oh dude. Early days. It It was was very interesting. It's crazy. It's a super fun game and great game. Um, and he played some today prior to the E3 stream. I did. I created a brand new character. I got to New Game Plus plus on a, a strength build I was doing that's completely opposite from the pyro build that I've done and the dex build that I've done, not including the Saul's play that I've done. And I've done this all in prior of starting Saul's play. Shameless plug. Episode 4 just came out. Episode 5 is going to come out a day after this episode, so check those out if you're a fan of Dark Souls 3 or me. I appreciate it either way. But I'm a fan than, of you, Saul. Nope. Either, uh, other than Dark Souls 3. Um, Played Switch at all this week. No Switch at all this week. Um, to Switch fans across the globe, you, you're like their bastion of hope. Me and me and uh, Corey. <laughs> We're going to keep the Switch train going. Yeah, he was telling me he got Bayonetta. But so, no no Switch for you. Interesting. No, yeah, no Switch for me. Um, no Detroit either. Detroit is a game that me and my fiance have been playing together. And lately, we've been kind of exhausted and not really wanting to play uh, after work, because that kind of requires sitting in computer chairs and such instead of relaxing on the couch. So, uh, but other than Dark Souls three, I try to jump back into Bloodborne. I don't. I think I like Dark Souls three better than Bloodborne. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I am conflicted deep inside me because uh, I've said so much that Bloodborne and Nier are the two games of the generation. But I really, really love Dark Souls three. Uh, Bloodborne is just a different game with the same base, and it's great. Don't get me wrong. First Platinum, loved it. Um, but after jumping into Bloodborne, uh, I've not started Vampire either. I think Sean's going to let me borrow that, but I'm trying to think here. I think that's it. Okay. Well, yeah. in oh, contrast well, I, to you, I have been playing Vampire. I was going to say I did. I did start the Surge, deleted that again. 
because uh, I got it for free. And then started up Neo again. Neo is a good game, too. But other than that, I am done now. Okay. Well, yeah, I did uh, more Detroit as I was grinding out more of my platinum for that. I'm still not gotten the platinum. Uh, once Vampire hit, I did play the night that Vampire released. I went ahead and installed it uh, right before I went to bed. But even though I went and picked it up at midnight, I decided I was going to play a little more Detroit. So I did that. I'm trying to narrow down getting that um, platinum, which I should be very close. I would expect to have it by the end of this weekend, though we are pretty busy with uh, wanting to do the E3 streams live. Um, which is so, the reason for our set looking the way it is. Yeah, so that's why we have an familiar. odd set today for you. Yeah. But we think we like it a little more. I think we may move this to be our permanent set. Yeah, let we us, will ask the few of you who watch us on YouTube. Let us know uh, in the comments think? and down below. And, well, we may change it. We, we're going to change up the back a little bit, potentially, with some construction. But, um, yeah, I like it. It's more. It's closer to the camera. It, it, I think it just works better. It's easy to set up. The lighting we have to kind of figure out because the lighting is a little bit different. But, you know. Yeah, we will get it figured out. Go ahead and continue on what uh, you've been playing. But, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think if I did play anything else. I don't think I have. Uh, it's been a busy week from you, from what I've heard. I mean, yeah, in the work sense, and then just generally going through and doing stuff. And I'm also getting some music stuff on the side prepped and, Whoops. Uh, you know, keeping that on the hush-hush, uh, at least around town where it'll matter. But uh, that's about all. So I think we can go ahead and move on. Uh, but... I will say this episode's going to be a little bit more weird. I'm going to talk about weird. I'm going to talk about general stuff. Um, I did end up doing like a really big uh, news, uh, like going through the news, scouring through the news, and putting stuff down that I thought was interesting. Uh, I didn't have a lot of time. I did a little bit of it. So instead, what we're going to do is kind of talk about the things that we know happen, uh, and then kind of see what we feel about those. Uh, so let's see. Saw so, uh, first thing that I can that off the top of my head that I know of is that Hitman Two was shown, which I think yep. was weird. And this is another one of those I don't remember Hitman Two being leaked. Now, if I, if it was, then I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me. We all knew it was coming, right? Yeah, I don't remember but being. But why either. show it before E three? Why not just lump it in somewhere? So are weird. you? Is it? What I don't understand, and they're happening at such weird times, is it people trying to get out ahead of all the E three jumble that's inevitably going to happen, or what? Because I don't feel like there was a need to show that the way they did because it didn't leak. They're not having to get out ahead of somebody doing the leak and, and trying to do damage control and just being like, well, yeah, okay, it's real. Here's what to expect. You'll see more D3. That didn't quite happen. I thought that was odd. Another game that came out, and I will say, like, I am generally excited for that. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm going to buy it. I did not play or buy the last one, but it looked great. I just never got around to it. This one being a full-fledged $60 game, uh, dropping the season moniker, which makes me think it's going to be more of a like you know a $60 product I sure hope so I think that I'm at least a little more interested in keeping up with it um but you know what do you feel hitman wise no, I, I used to like the older ones on PS2 that's really just like blood hit. money and all yeah. that that was two wasn't it hitman 2 blood money I think so or was blood money the first one that they did on 360 I did play that one so if that was on 360 then yeah. I can't remember I, mean, I did play one I played a couple of them I've never the been like gen. real real into them but yeah no I haven't either um if I ever needed a sneaky... I like Hitman cool Go. Mechanics. Hitman Go was cool, and that sounds like a very odd thing to say, but even though it was a start of life as a mobile game, and I played it on Vita, and moving it around from a tactical standpoint and for how cheap I got it, it was very fun, and it was a fun platinum. Um, but... Let's see, what else? We know that uh, right after, I mean, hot off the release, speaking of Vampire, uh, right after they're releasing that, we see Bandai Namco come out with Don't Nod uh, oh, yeah. and show a Twin Mirror, which is which like a psychological really cool. thriller, which is cool. Um, I, you know, I kinda, I'm kind of liking news this way. It's a little more loose. Uh, but 
I'm just kind of browsing Reddit. Uh, for those that know that uh, EA's uh, E3 press conference have already happened, and I just go into the thing that says Anthem releases February 22nd, 2019, and then the first comment is same day as Day is Gone. Oof. Yeah, <laughs> that's, so that's one thing. I mean, we know that. But I was going to bring that up though. Days Gone was uh, announced to be the 22nd when uh, Sony did their pre-show with that they're doing one game per day, uh, which is an interesting idea. Uh, I guess they got a lot of weird feedback from the. Uh, from the previous one they did last year, which was before the show for like an hour, which I thought was cool because we got to see Knack 2 last year. We got to see Gran Turismo Sport. Things that we had, like Knack 2 didn't necessarily need to be in the main uh, thing. I think it would have been fine. Gran Turismo Sport definitely didn't need to be in the main uh, conference last year, so it was smarter than to put it out in front of it. Uh, this one a week is very concise and to the point, and I'll give them kudos for that. Yeah. Uh, they didn't waste a lot of time. They came out, showed what it was, and then went on about their business. Good for them. Um but yeah, so Anthem com- Anthem coming out uh, February twenty second as well. Uh, crazy to see, but I've already said in the EA thing, I don't think that that's going to be as big of a threat as it could have been. I don't think those games clash enough. Um, I do think that they'll have an effect on each other, and I do think the Anthem will have more of an effect uh, on because, like I said, people know Bioware by name, people do not know Ben by name, right. and that is a very big difference. Uh, so if you want to sell off of one or the other, now the other thing is that zombie games do tend to do well just from a very you know. Rabid, <laughs> rabid fan base fan base that really wants new zombie games so i don't think that that's that weird um Saul, can you think of any I, i've got other new stuff i mean is there anything that you can think of that maybe i haven't uh let me see no other than just the general ea stuff pretty much pretty oh i didn't go much into twin mirror but twin mirror is like a oh, psychological yeah. thriller we didn't see gameplay uh we did get a early 2019 uh oh no we got 2019 it wasn't even early we got 2019 as a release window they didn't go any further they didn't really show gameplay but they showed a lot of uh cinematic cutscene style things and it looks really crazy it almost makes me think it's like it's inspired by twin peaks which is even more weird uh with the name structure but it looks cool and depending on how vampire keeps going for me vampire has been really good um so far, it's obviously a double-A game. It's got double-A leanings, but it's also got a lot of cool things that uh, ACG did a review, and I agree with this statement 100%. It's the perfect way to word it. That's why I'm going to pretty much verbatim. It's not 100%, but you know, they said that you see in the game things that you know you wouldn't see a triple-A developer or publisher do. Right. Uh, and that's cool, and that's one of the things I love about gaming is you get to kind of go across that. And they are doing a lot of things. One thing I told Saul... Uh, for people who are kind of maybe were on the fence about Vampire or curious about what it is, this will help you one way or the other, either come off uh, and realize you don't want it or maybe even push you into getting it. Um, the way that they showed the game, I wouldn't have thought it was this, but it's almost like a Bloodborne Dark Souls style where it's like an open world, but it's very structured and has like, this one's got districts, but they're obviously as you move through, it's like you go into new sections. Uh, a couple things are like... The social aspect of the game bleeds into the district. So when you go to a district, it tells you the status of the district, whether it's healthy, uh, serious, like in a bad, or if it's just like dilapidated and really br- run down with all the people out of it, uh, which is interesting to see. And the other thing that's cool, as the uh, districts start to change statuses, if you do good or bad in them, they'll do better yeah, or worse. That's so, what Sean was telling me. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like if you go to one and you start killing a bunch of people or a bunch of people die or whatever, uh, you'll start to see like paint on the doors and stuff littered across the street where people ran out in a hurry. That's a cool little atmosphere-building thing. Uh, but more than that, the way that it's got this Bloodborne feel to it, it's these things called hideouts that you can find in each district, and you'll unlock new ones, and you kind of go up to them, and you go and you sleep. And when you sleep, you evolve, which is like a leveling mechanic, which is cool. Uh, and that's based off of the amount Oblivion. of experience you have. Huh? 
said Oblivion. Sure. I mean, plenty of games have done it that way. But no, I'm just, um, that, that's the what Sean told me. I was like, that's Oblivion. Yeah. Like, that's so. You, me but you evolve in the so it brings up where you can actually allocate your experience points uh, into different active or passive skills. That's cool. But then when you leave the hideout, once you've gotten through the bed and you confirm, it goes on to the next night because you know you're a vampire. Um, and when you go back out, all the monsters you may have slain on the way up there are back. So it's almost like sitting at like a, a bonfire or reigniting the lamps, uh, which is cool. I think that's a good way to make you want to kind of do that. The other, rate, other way it goes is kind of similar to what God of War did uh, uh, along the same lines as Bloodborne and Dark Souls, which is like an interconnected world where uh, a gate will be locked on one side, but it will specifically say you can't open it from this side. And yeah. you go around, and when you get to the other side, you can open it and create shortcuts that That's way. Cool. Uh, so the game is impressing me so far. I've played probably a good five hours, I would imagine, maybe a little bit more. Um, the game has moments of challenges. Uh, yeah, I'm going to play more. Numbers. you got to let me borrow it. No, I mean, Sean might. <laughs> I may not see Sean until after I'm done on vacation, though. That is true. So, all right. Well, anyway, uh, that's kind of... I think that Vampire is cool, and uh, so that's my thoughts on that um, since I was talking about playing that. But with what I was going to go is if I like Vampire as much as I currently do and continue to do through the end of the game, um, then I'm going to... Uh, be that much more hype for Twin Mirror. Twin Mirror looks cool right now, but it's in that stage in between where I was with Vampire when they first started off. I was like, it's cool. I like Victoria Age London. Makes me yeah, think of too. The Order. Uh, and they did the atmosphere really well on the final release. That's cool. Uh, but seeing this, I'm like, okay, this is cool. And if Vampire ends up being awesome, then, you know, I'm reinforced that much more. But until then, I'm waiting to see more. Um, but, Maybe it'll be both. Maybe they show more that's awesome looking, and then Vampire uh, really just continues to meet my expectations or exceed them, which is perfectly fine for me. Um, saw any other new stuff that you can think of? No, I think that's uh, it. I was trying to think. Oh, I was going snap. back to the Hold subreddit. Up. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Brought to you by Sir Herp. So did we cover this already? We did that last week. Okay, so no winner, winner, chicken dinner this week? Kill off that segment, please. <laughs> no, there is no segment dying. No, kill off that segment. Uh, let's see. There's something else, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. RPG Maker uh, MV recently leaked through Amazon. Uh, I think Amazon Mexico. Uh, and it shows for a November, a November 27th release date, which is a great time period for it. Oh, it really uh, is. It, now, this is a leak that's obviously true. There's case art and everything. I mean, it was very much so. Uh, NIS is going to be the people who are publishing it, which is great to see. Um, and I like NIS a lot. The NIS are great. I mean, they do a lot of games that I really enjoy, and they do a lot of games that I know Liam enjoys. So, yeah, uh, he's 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 the weeb is strong with that one. Yes, um, I think that's cool. RPG Maker I've always seen on computer. I know it used to be on consoles forever ago. I think 3DS or DS one both had their own, but they were very limited. So seeing this DS one come, had one, yeah, and it was real bad. Yeah, seeing this one come, I'm hoping it's a little more full fledged. And well, what I mentioned, and who I'm curious, knows? Like like I was saying, is the external stuff for Sony is 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 what has me really curious. And I will say uh, the same thing for Nintendo because right, as of right now, I do we. Do not have any confirmation that Nintendo supports external stuff. Yeah, even from a matter of how do you get them onto the uh, onto the games. Or I really the hard hope drive, that so. they do, and I hope that they have a. Um, somebody answer this question for me. Do any of the recent RPG makers uh, can you share your games? If so, on I'm PC, super. Excited. I'm almost. I'm almost like it's. It's almost guaranteed that you can. I've never done it, but I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Right. You can compile your game separately or whatever. Uh, or you, even if you just wanted to take your save file and send it to somebody, and be like, hey, play my game. I would worst love case that. scenario. Now, if they actually have something where you can go through curated levels and stuff like that, or I would love it. you know, and then user voted games, that would be awesome. Which actually brings me back to something we didn't talk about a few weeks ago that I think is worth mentioning. Uh, a few weeks ago in the Discord, we talked about it a little bit, but they showed off new uh, new Dreams gameplay, and actually, what they showed off was 
some gameplay, but it was really the level editing. And the guy went into a lot of details about the game had gotten uh, completely, basically rebooted a couple times from idea changes and stuff. But he went into it saying it's like a full fledged um, engine, and that's basically what their mind is. So it's a game that you can play, and it's got that all in there. But it's also just an engine that works within the PlayStation that you can do all from a controller, and it streamlines the engine process. Now, depending on how true that really is, and from what they've shown, it looks pretty damn true. Uh, this is what I think would be cool. I do not have any any real reason in my mind to believe that this is what they would do. Uh, but what I think would be really cool would be if they made uh, some way for when you go into the game, when you're making a level, and this would be a great incentive, that you could actually um, make it like a marketplace within there where if you choose uh, to charge for your game, you can, uh, and you can do things like cut a trailer together in, in something like maybe even in the, um, what's the editor on PlayStation called? Um, do you remember oh, share factory share factory? That'd be cool. If you could edit a trailer together in there and then use it to, to that, show people your game, that would be really, that'd cool, be actually. awesome. These would be cool ways to enter, integrate, uh, features from the PlayStation into the game itself. Uh, but I think that would be awesome. Let people do that. So that way you get people who are that much more willing to make crazy games and spend a lot of time because while in little big planet one, two, and even Vita, you saw a lot of people dump a lot of hours into levels or a series of levels. Um, that sometimes made their own games. Like you saw people make first person shooters inside of little big planet one and two, which was insanity. Um, but you know, if you can do that and you can really give people who are creative and have a drive to want to try and do that, uh, a reason and a real push and some kind of, uh, incentive, I guess would be the best word to use, uh, to do so. It'd be great if you could let people charge whatever they wanted to a dollar, be it. Uh, and even just be, Hey, I'm going to make this. And if you want to play a charge a dollar for it, you're going to get a full game. It would be absolutely awesome. Even though I know it's not going to happen. If they had it to where you could somehow get trophies made for it won't happen. I, know I would that. say that trophies there's, are a no go because imagine trophy manipulation. Exactly, and there's yeah. a number, and then definitely now when you're dealing with the cards having the uh, giving you trophy, uh, giving you reward points for your amount of trophies, that's one thing they're going to cut down on that. So I know that won't happen, but even just the idea of me going, hey, I'm going to make this really awesome game that I think is amazing, and give me an idea of how to get like you know design and level editing, it could be some people's which already happened with little big planet one and two, but some people's, uh, movement into game design, which would be amazing. Can you imagine somebody get going and making the next great game because they started making a game on dreams and became a great level designer or whatever. Yeah. Things like that is just a cool idea. Now, whether or not the game will be that flexible and letting people do that, I don't know, but I think that that would be a cool way to, uh, to make a platform for people. And that would be a cool way to make the game have real legs and, and make people want to buy it. Maybe they see this awesome game that's within it. They go, you know what? I'm going to buy that. I'm going to play that level. I'm going to play other games that are maybe free or low charge. And then maybe I'll make my own game. And that might be a way that you give it legs in a completely different artificial way yeah. outside of the standard, you know, because this game, and probably it probably won't have microtransactions. Somewhat of an experience, too. Like, yeah, and with I mean, making games. Absolutely. And so. game design. I think that would be very cool. Um, let's see. Any other, any other big news? I'm trying to think of other things that happened uh, this week. Uh, I think Sonic was last week, right? We talked about that in the last episode, the Sonic All Stars racing game. Um, so I, I don't know. I think I'm, I mean, I'm okay with that. I wasn't just worried about scouring the news insanity uh, today. Now we can talk about some of the stuff that happened to EA since we've already watched that one. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, they showed off Unravel 2, which is actually out today, uh, which is awesome. Actually, yeah, that was really um, cool. That looks cool. I mean, I think if it's priced competitively, 20 bucks, I would say 20 bucks is pro- is about where it needs to be. Yeah. Uh, if it's a little bit higher, maybe. I'd say, I'd say 30 to 40, depending on the length of it. They didn't mention length. I and feel, with it being a co-op game. 
Yeah, I feel like it probably. I mean, 30 seems like the 20 would be great. 30 would be reasonable. 40 seems too much. When you have a game like Ratchet and Clank, that was 40. You know, but. Well, it's about the same, isn't it? They're both about the same length. Yeah, it just depends, man. Who knows? Um, but that's one of those weird, like, it, it could be anywhere. I want to see more of the game, but I'm definitely interested in showing it. Yeah. Uh, so if you're curious about that and you haven't seen it yet, uh, it's a co-op built game. And even if you're not playing with somebody else, you always have this other character uh, with you. And they're blue, you're red, you're tied together by the yarn. And it actually makes like a cool grapple system to where you can throw yarn and link onto stuff, but then you can be the anchor and they'll use you to swing off of that. I feel like um, that's reminded me of a game mechanic in something. I can't think of what. It definitely makes me think of the Grappinator or whatever it was called. The grapple hook that they introduced in Little Big Planet 2. I talked about that on the stream. Yeah. Uh, the game really just, and the way it chose to use that for puzzle solving from like a uh, manipulate weight dispect- yeah, perspective. I'll, I like and that too. Generate uh, momentum, momentum and, and stuff. stuff like that. I think that was a yeah. cool idea. Uh, so I think that game has a lot of chance of pulling me back in in a good way. And I'm definitely happy with that. Uh, they showed Sea of Solitude, which was an, an SOS, which is clever considering what the it game is, is kind of doing. That was perfect. Um, and it had, it looked like it had a really cool. Uh, premise to it and it was where humans turn into monsters uh, the longer they're alone uh, and it's kind of following the story of a girl who's becoming a monster and trying to figure out how to become a human again it looks like it's going to be a, a, rel- a relatively weighty story which is cool uh, but it depends because I think sometimes weightiness depends on how metaphorical you want to go Yeah. because um, I think in some senses you could say that rhyme was a little weighty but it was weighty in the subject matter that it ended up being about, not necessarily in the moment-to-moment gameplay. Yeah. Uh, or even in the moment-to-moment story beats. So, with that being said, Battle who knows? Five, but, or Battlefield Five got a uh, Battle Royale mode. Yep, which is, you know, about what I would expect Saw to like. I'm sure Blake, I, I actually didn't look and see if he mentioned anything in the chat, uh, the Discord chat about it, but I would imagine that he is... Uh, I'm curious about it. Like, any AAA exa- Battle Royale curious about it. That's is, what I mean. He may not be super ecstatic, to but me. I think that he would be... Yeah, because, I mean... He's excited for the game anyway, just like you are. So. Yeah, Battlefield 3 has... I mean, Battlefield 3. Battle, Black Ops 3 has me kind of concerned with the vehicles and such in Battle in battle Royale. You mean in 4? Black Ops 4? Yeah. I okay. said that title like three times wrong. But um, maybe four times wrong. Who knows at this point? Um, but yeah, I'm super interested in it. They announced also a lot of sports stuff uh, involving Madden 2019, which not a big surprise. Uh, they announced a mobile RTS, which... Command and Conquer, yeah, was Command and Conquer Rivals bringing back the Command and Conquer is a cool way to do you it. Know, weird, um, like I'm curious, like I kind of want to try it out. I'm curious to how it actually plays because they tried to play a, or they played a game on stage, which was odd from a pacing standpoint. Yeah, there was a lot of pacing issues with the conference, but um, they showed off Anthem a lot. Uh, okay, so just looking, this is why I don't like the PS4 subreddit a whole lot. I go there a lot, and I still it's like 4chan. It's somewhere you visit a lot, but it's, man, it's a cesspool. Um, there were so many people hating on Anthem saying about how bad it looked. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, you got to give EA this one thing. Anthem looked good. It may not have looked and great. It, yeah, and it may not be looked, a cup of tea thing. You yeah, know? It, was a, it, was a, it looked a lot better than I expected it to. Oh, I think in, in a lot of ways it looked great. Now, does that mean it'll be a great game? Who knows? Yeah. That, that's a very big different thing. But I think with what they shown me, I am more on the, like, you know, in your mind, you kind of go the buy it at launch, wait for it, or never play it. Right. I am currently somewhere in between wait for it or buy it at launch. I will probably play it some way, some fashion, regardless of what happens. It may not be directly at launch. I think I personally, and I'm hoping that Days Guns ends up being great, I think I would personally rather spend my time into a story-driven single-player experience, but 
I think the other thing that will kind of paint my decision is how much of the community is going to end up getting Anthem. Yeah. And if you get Anthem at launch, which I think it I looks like you probably will. will. So yeah. I will probably get it at launch too. Um, which is good. And I think that that's enough to sway me because beforehand I caught, I kept saying, you know, you want EA to learn lessons with the things they've done. And it looks like they have, they've been put under a, mi- a microscope by the community in a lot of ways. And I think that we're seeing the product of that battlefield five is abolishing, uh, all of the, you know, microtransactions and, uh, any kind of monetization, uh, you're seeing, uh, a lot of these games in the EA thing that have nothing to do with monetization in the EA originals program. That's great. Good to see. I'm glad they spent enough time on that to show a couple of games and talk about a way out success, which is something we talked about last week. Yeah. Um, and I think the other bit that was cool is that you saw Anthem also learn from those. So it found a way to be monetized, which is great because I do understand that games sometimes need that extra push of if you want to pay us more, you should be able to. And that's great. And if I want to be like, you know what? I like this game. I think I've gotten my $60 worth out of it. I'm going to give them $2 or a dollar or whatever for this cool uh, armor set or whatever it is, visual item, because I just want to. Yeah. Not because I necessarily think it's worth it or whatever it be, but, but I want to I be support them. them. Yeah, and you know, there's a or lot of ways. Or maybe our whole entire squad can have the same camo. That'd be yeah. cool. And they talked about a lot of ways. There's going to be no pay to win features. There'll be nothing that gives you an advantage in pay. That's uh, in uh, in your play. That's awesome. That's what you want to see. Yeah. You know, when you're dealing with stuff like this, it looks like exactly what I was hoping they did. And we talked about in the thing. I don't want to retread too much of it in case people kind of cross watch uh, between our E3 uh, reactions. But it looks like they just really looked at what Destiny's gotten flat for, and, and they tried to steer it completely in the other direction, which yep. is probably the smartest thing you could really best do. Thing you could do because what have you even seen Destiny do with the Forsaken? And that's, um, it, and that's it. Forsaken is what I think. Destiny's done right so far. So Forsaken, and no, it, like, you have good, to wait until I mean. it comes out. But I mean, from a sheer thing, their messaging across that uh, reveal, and that's that's something we could talk about with the Forsaken. That was a news piece. Oh uh, uh, yeah. But across that reveal, I mean, their entire messaging was: we understand what you didn't like about Destiny Two from the start, and we understand that some people liked it, but some people didn't. So we're going to make it to where we change all this stuff, but we're also going to fix everything uh, to where if you like Destiny Two, you can continue to play it that way, no problem. If you like Destiny One, you you can play it that way. No problem. If Bring you want to do some weird mixture and, of the two, yeah. you can do it. And I do think that's great. Giving people the ability to do what they want to should have been what they were what they were aiming for at launch. And what's crazy is but that. But that's okay. And a I lot mean, of people, and I told you this before. I, I can't think. I don't think I mentioned it on the EA stream. I don't think I did. But uh, Destiny is developed by two teams, technically. You know, it comes out from the game team or the dev team. And then the, the game team uh, or the live team is what they're called. Works on any of the updates afterwards. Uh, and a lot of the complaints that people had with Destiny 2 weren't addressed quickly enough because they were already working on Warmind and Curse. Now that they're done, the live team's taking over. This is an example of the live team. And you saw this happen. It, whoops. You saw this happen in repeat with Destiny 1 in which uh, Taken King was done by the live team and how good Taken King was compared to House of Wolves and um, the other one. Dark Below. Dark Below. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that that's fair. And I... I and you hope that's it because here's the thing. Yeah. I've railed on Destiny a lot, right? So, and talking about the Destiny side of this Anthem stuff, but I've railed on Destiny 2 a lot. But the big saving grace of the idea of a games as a service is that any game can come back from the brink, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's kind of that's the, like that's kind of the thing. So, I don't, you know, while I'm mad that Destiny 2 ended up the way it is for a number of reasons, um, the fact that they can, they as long as they keep uh, get enough support from the community who wants to continue playing it, right. to justify them being able to put the time into it, much like we saw with No Man's Sky. I want to say that, yeah, uh, and we saw No Man's Sky do it completely free of charge, yeah, which is kind of crazy. Their updates were free. 
Uh, so, but with that being said, they they kept they had enough of a community that kept playing to where they were like, it is worth it for us to do this. Yeah, and uh, that's great. I mean, seeing No Man's Sky turn around and become the game that everybody wanted it to be at launch is awesome. That's that's, th- that's good to very see. True, yeah, it took a long time, but we even saw them do things that people didn't necessarily think they wanted early on, and that's cool. Uh, so you get to do that, and I think that that's great for Destiny. And I think that the same thing will be true of Anthem. Anthem gets the leg up of getting to see two Destinies come out and learn from their mistakes, plus the division. Um, they're coming in way after every other um, publisher, big publisher yeah. besides Activision, I guess. Or no, Activision's Destiny. So yeah, they're coming after every other uh, big publisher. And in that sense, they are getting to learn from every other publisher's mistake. And that's cool. That's good to see on their part. Uh, not that I think the Division had a lot of problems. I think the Division did pretty well up front. But I know that a couple people had their things. And we so. went to it kind of late, too. I know I went to it a little bit earlier than you did, but we we went to it after a good. Oh, uh, the division, yeah, yeah, sure. So I'll say that that's definitely there, but um, there's not a drop this week, nope. so we will not be moving into our traditional drop. But we will go into reader mail. Yeah, we will, and Sorry. and you know, so that kind of so, covers everything. Uh, for all those that do not know, if this is your first episode, you can follow us on Twitter at Triangle SQRD. We always link it in the description. We have a Discord as well if you want to join us there. And every week on Twitter, typically on Friday, we ask you guys to ans- uh, ask us questions that we'll answer on the show. We pick three of those, we'll answer them, and we'll take the rest and put them in a Reader Mill uh, Google Keep file, and we'll read those on the very first Friday of the month. And or it'll post on the very first well, Friday of the month. I was trying to keep the illusion of yeah. Anyways, <laughs> that uh, we that we upload as soon as we're done every time. Yeah, I wish. So we got a lot of E3 questions. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and knock those out because those aren't gonna do that well a month from now. So uh, we'll do those three. And the first one is, Ryan, what past PlayStation E3 conference was your favorite? Or favorite single PlayStation E3 or PSX announcement? Brett, which one, which question do you want? Okay, so I'm going to say both of them. I'm going to kind of answer both of them. The past E3 conference that was my favorite was realistically... PlayStation. I know, yeah, okay. that, and that's what I'm talking about. I think it realistically is very hard to say from a something for everyone plus a lot of hype. Now, whether the game's delivered later, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the feeling and the experience in the moment, right? 2016. That's kind of what I'm going. Uh, I think that the 2016 one yep. was was really good. Spider-Man, uh, you God of War. You got a lot of great um, pacing with the way that things went across. We got to see Horizon. Final Fantasy VII, Horizon. Yep. Wasn't uh, God of War the opener for that one? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For 2016. So I want to say that one was just paced phenomenally. That's also where we got to see, uh, we did get to see Spider-Man there. Okay. Yeah. Or did we? I thought so. That was the first time they showed it, right? Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to, I couldn't remember. Days yeah. Gone was the first time there too, right? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. And then we That's saw it a again lot of, A lot of variety. So unfortunately, was, that variety's bit us in the butt. Well, the, the problem is that 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 spread ended up coming back over into the, into, la, into the last, last years. two years. Uh, so that was uh, it, well, not quite two years, but it, it was a catch twenty two where it was great that they had that much variety the year before, but they they maybe revealed a little too much of their hand yeah. when they could have probably held Days Gone. To be honest, they should have. Yeah. Um, definitely now that we know that it's coming in twenty nineteen, but that's okay. And it, probably going to get pushed back again because of Anthem. Oh, apparently, I, Crackdown comes out in February too. I still, so those games are going to have to move far away from Anthem. I still think that Days Gone would benefit from moving up into January. Oh, yeah. Well, that, okay. Yeah, that, and that's I stand too. there. I don't yeah. think that they will delay it. If anything, I think they'll move it up. But that's we will too. see. And, that's, and that has happened, by the way. People go, well, they never move games up. Yes, they do. They've done it to a couple yeah. of games. Didn't, um, uh, didn't that happen with um, Nier? 
No, no, Nier, no. Yeah, Nier, it did, didn't it? No, Nier didn't move up. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but there was a game that came out beginning of 2017 that did end up moving up like a week or two. Yeah, that, I thought and, it was And Nier. I thought it was odd, so. Okay. Uh, but with that being said, I mean... That's that's probably mine. Yeah. Now, my favorite single PlayStation Three E3 announcement. Dog. I think I've talked about on PlayStation this. PlayStation Three. I'm sorry. Um, PlayStation E3. Yeah. My bad. Uh, but my favorite single E3 or PSX announcement from PlayStation side. Uh, now I'm going to say because this was at PlayStation, so this is again encapsulated in what it was. Uh, it's a third party game. I don't think anything has matched just how much of a. I don't want to say an out of body experience, but how I. I I don't know how to even describe how retarded excited I was when they showed off Kingdom Hearts 3 for the first time. Oh, yeah. Me and Blaze called each other, unable to breathe and talk, because we were just like... Hannah was like, are you okay? Because I literally could not... I like, <laughs> just wait till I get that. Like, overcome with July anxious 1st, anxiety. Kingdom Hearts 3 excitement anxiety. July 1st. I'm calling it. That's well, Kingdom we will see. I'm out. very, very excited to see what Square ends up having because I do think uh, now that we see what that Near broke three million sales, with Near breaking three million sales, that even further concretes my opinion that we're going to get something Near related I, soon. Maybe I, not this year. I just but got around Square. We can't do. Well, I don't think we can, but that's okay. It'll be early Monday. Yeah, it's okay. Calling sick. <laughs> well, hey, if it's at my lunch, I'll just take lunch. Just call, can, it, just call in sick. I probably can't, man. But <laughs> nobody, nobody watches that from work. Just call Shh, in sick. Me. Uh, okay, so saw so what are yours? Uh, so yeah, 2016 for sure. Uh, and I'm gonna say Final Fantasy VII, almost in tears. I know it's cliche to say. I know it's a cliche way to describe it that you're almost in tears. But yeah, me I, and Brett were here that day, and I, I was just like. It was really cool. Now, that was 2014? 15, 15, uh, 15. 15. Now, yeah. I will say the other thing in 2015 was impeccably placed, too, because nope, Last nope, Guardian nope, was nope, awesome. Nope, nope. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say another person, because that, that wraps around into another question. No, no, no. I was gonna, And I could say that. Now, I just want to say that a backup favorite announcement uh, that I think would have been good, and I could also see being a really good answer, because I, I did say that, obviously, 2016 was very well done. I do think that there's an argument from a lot of people's standpoint that 2013 was impeccably well done, and that's because it was paced well, but it also had punches to throw, which made it seem that much more lively in the moment. Yeah. Nothing is quite as exciting as watching E3 and hearing a, like a, a literal uproar in the crowd when they come out and say that you can play used games and all this stuff and just, it was that mic drop moment that everybody talks about well, during E313. You're still answering a question. But go ahead, that, go ahead. Second question, we have good old Alcum Alcum Alan Malcolm <laughs> over there with White Eagle UK. Worst E3 show you can remember and best E3. Well, best E3 is a tie for me. Like he was talking about E3 2013 for P- or for Sony and Bethesda 2015. So Fallout Four, just the fact that the they they answered the wants of Skyrim Remastered and they answered it well, they because it looked amazing and now we're all Skyrim fatigued out wanting the next one and and you know we we make fun oh, of I thought Skyrim was uh, Skyrim was the same one I thought was it yeah dang I'm fairly positive. that doesn't make 2016 nearly as or 15 nearly as good then yeah no the only thing that they had was a. Uh, a brief mention well, of a else. brief mention of Dishonored Two, which was awesome. No problem. There was there. something else other than Fallout, though. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, 2015 was a brief mention of Dishonored, and then we got to see Dishonored Two for full fledged at Bethesda's E3 2016 or 2017 because it released November no, 2016. Sorry, there was but, Doom. That's what it was. It was Doom and Fallout Four. Okay, yeah, I can see that. So I think that that's right. Yeah, and no, no, I know that's right now. Um, Skyrim hyped me up the the next year, but yeah. that was also at Sony's, wasn't it? Or was that at Bethesda? No, that was at Bethesda. Okay, Sony did have it in theirs. I'm pretty sure, right? Maybe I okay. don't remember. Um, but so, yeah, that one for sure uh, is tied with 2013 after the crushing Microsoft one. 
back then as like somebody wanting the next Xbox console, and then Sony just was that light of hope, that ray of sunshine in a dark, dark time. Um, but yeah, for Fallout 4, for it to be announced finally, and they're like, the, I think me and Brett were sitting there, and we're like, okay, it's going to be like, what, a year and out? And they're going, like, November. I'm like, now, what? That's the, that's the thing, because here's the thing. Again, in the moment, right? Because I've since then played Fallout 4, and it was a fine game. I enjoyed it. it a was, somewhat disappointing. It was a, a good, good game, game, but it was disappointing overall to me. I don't think it... I, I think Solid that, 6, it's a, it, it's or a, 7. Now, it's I'll a mixture. Seven. It's a mixture. See, because the thing about Fallout 4 is that in the moment, I think that the reason that the game ended up falling a little bit flat is that the way they, they chose to announce it was so much hype because of the fact that it's like, it. oh, here it is. It looks awesome. Base building. Which uh, and, well, yeah, but no, here it is. It looks awesome. I, beside, the only thing that I had to say when it was done, I was like, it looks fun. It looks cool. The only thing that was disappointing is that coming off The Witcher 3, the game did look dated. Yeah, when they showed it, it, that was the thing to me. I was like, it doesn't look graphically what, how I expect it to look. It looks a lot like Skyrim, just spruced up a little. But whatever. Uh, it had a better color palette than other Fallout, so I was happy about that. But the thing is, is it looking as fun as it did, and the idea of playing another Bethesda game... Well, I just need the mouse. I don't want to interrupt you. That's what I thought you were going to get. <laughs> Take the mouse away from me. Sorry, guys. Technical difficulties. Dilliculties. I somehow changed the timing. That's what I was trying to do. <laughs> it was already like that. No, it wasn't. It was yes. on beats. Nope, it was on seconds. I already did it. When did you do it? Like a second ago? Nope. No. Beginning of the show. Anyway, um, nope. but I think that that was part of what shot it in the foot is the mixture of it looking good and coming so soon that when you got it and it didn't quite live up to what your mind's hype was for it. Yeah. Uh, like we say, hype's a dangerous thing. It, it's a balance between you want it because you want people to get excited about the game, but you don't want to do it so hard Go back that it bites you in the game. Episode 43 uh, bites you on hype. In the long run, yeah. Um, I actually don't know if episode don't 43 know if is the hype. Me either, but yeah, we have a hype-based episode where I talk about the dangers of it. Um, but I don't know. So, I mean, I could I, best gets hard because I think as an overall thing, I think there was a lot that made, uh, from an announcement standpoint, I still say 20, uh, 2016 from a purely like, oh my God, this is kind of crazy. Uh, like I say, the energy behind... Um, the energy behind the 2013 PlayStation one was great. I will say this: episode 46. The the if I want to go worst, and I'm sorry, I know there's a lot of ways. Um, the I don't want to say if you want to go on the Sony side, which I don't because he says E3, but I will mention a quick Sony one that was really bad. Um, Wait, what do you mean? Well, he says E3 as a whole, right? So I can, I'm talking about worst now because he said what's oh, the best and what's the yeah, worst. Yeah, the best is so by far the, the best now, huh? Microsoft from the worst or best? Best. I mean worst. Worst. Okay, now I agree. 2013 Microsoft. Yeah. It was bad. It oh, was yeah, just it, bad. Uh, and, and now you saw them turn ship really hard, but it was bad, and there's not a lot you can say about that from my opinion. I think even I know fans who still ended up buying an Xbox One and still ended up loving it and still use it this day and do not play PS4, but even they came away from that just disappointed. It was a very odd it, thing, yeah, and it, it was, was weird. It was weird for the first time in forever to Sony just be unequivocally like, oh, man, they really killed it because you had a you had a measurable, like, you, <laughs> there was no crowd response to Microsoft stuff. No. Sony's was, was hit after hit after hit, and, and they were doing very well with that. Everybody in the audience was going crazy. So uh, in that particular way, that's where I think it's the worst. Uh, but I do th- want to say, just as a singling out one really bad PlayStation one, ugh. Like, was it 2009? Right? No, nah, I think it was like 2010 or 11 when they were doing PlayStation Move Wonderbook, and it was awful. I thought that was 2009, but yeah, 2010 God. or 11, I guess. Yeah, because it was... I, I remember that. Move came out in like 10 or 11. I can't remember exactly which one, but God, it was so bad. It wasn't running right. They kept pushing on with it. Um, now, a similar thing was when they came out and tried showing the VR thing um, with uh, Richard's 
What, what's his name? Excuse me. Uh, uh, Richard, I can't remember it now. I, uh, I don't know who you're talking about. Hold on. I'm going to tell you. director of VR? Or Richard, Richard Marks. He's their, uh, no, he's their guy who does all the uh, research and development for the oh. Magic Lab, which is the people who made VR and were like the, the head team of VR and the head team of PlayStation Move uh, and iToy and stuff like that. Gotcha. So anyway, when he came out to show VR and was trying to show the little game one-on-one, it was just really bad. It's a bad timing. So E3 is a mixture of highs and lows, and it just you hope that it tends to be better than worse. That's just kind of what it is. Saul, any other questions? Sure, we got one more, and uh, it's Mr. Sean Santarude. What has been your guys' most surprised game announcement pre-E3 or at E3, depending on when we answer the question? So I'm going to okay, go so we're with say this E3, yeah, right? No, well, I'll say E3 in general. Because he doesn't say... Well, he says, but depending on when you answer the question, which I assume means he's referring to this E3, because if we answer it after E3, then it's which one surprises the most during E3. But pre-E3, because there are games that came both ways, right? We're getting games like Rage 2 that are announced prior to E3. I, I, I was thinking it was pre-E3 was just across all E3s. I, I think he's specifically talking about all the pre-announcements we're getting this oh, year. Oh, okay. Um, um, hmm. Fallout has me kind of shook. Like, I don't really know what that is. Uh, and I think we're going to find out tomorrow night. Uh, or I, I think, know we will find out tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I think we know enough about Fallout to be in the realm of like, okay. You know uh, when the teaser drops, you know how E3 works with the way they typically do. In well, here's the thing. I, I think that there has to be some form of nugget of truth to that Kotaku article. Uh, we'll find nugget. out. Now, Nugget. We'll it, find it may out. not be exactly that, but I do think that there's some truth to that. Because um, there was, I don't I remember where I saw it. I don't remember if it was on our Discord. I don't remember if it was on Twitter itself. But somebody came out as a dev and said that that is not what the game is. So no, I'm not, that, that's why I say nugget. Of yeah. Truth, now right? Jason's a great person. He his sources are always top notch. Um, but but even then, sources for this it's technically a rumor. Yeah. It so, is, that is what it is. Um, and I can appreciate him trying to get people to to temper their expectations. I'm uh, trying to think though, like what has got me excited so far this year? Nothing really, like super excited. Besides Anthem, I guess Anthem is the is, and this is the first. Day. Anthem has been surprised. This is like a, yeah, a, a this bigger is, surprise this than is I thought it would be. Saturday the ninth um, of June, so we're not into E three yet. So what has like came out like before now? It's kind of hard. Like nothing Sony has has shown in their pre E three shows has me like that well. The new VR game looked original, but nothing nothing for me. I don't have VR. Uh, I got more Days Gone stuff. Uh, so Sony's kind of out of the question in that sense. Sony's as playing far, it safe still, no, and, I, and I'm hoping for the surprises. Now, here's what I'm curious about: they showed Days Gone at that pre-show. Do, are they going to show any more Days Gone at all? I don't think so. Good, um, and I don't think they should. No, they shouldn't. Um, but really, this year, is there any leak pre-leak that has surprised you? Like, but Rage Two, I guess. Rage Two has been the surprise because I didn't think it would happen. I, I'm surprised at how good it looked. A, there's two reasons. There's a lot that surprised me about that. I think Prey 2 is the obvious answer for me and a lot of people because most people would have never imagined that a second Prey would come, right? Prey didn't do that well. It had a lot of performance issues, and it was a very ambitious game that just kind of fell flat. But apparently... But Wasn't there a Prey 2, though? I'm not sorry, not Prey, Rage. Okay. And I, I'm, I'm screwing my own words <laughs> well, I thought up. you were comparing them. No, I'm, I'm sorry, Rage. Two is okay. the one that I think is the surprise. Sorry, people. Uh, but no. So when you're dealing like Rage Two is one of those things. The first Rage came out on PS3, Broken. 360, and PC, and it didn't run very well. It had a lot of pop in lag. I remember trying to play it and wanting to like it, but just couldn't and ended up getting getting rid of it. Uh, but apparently, but that's the sad number of times that it sold well enough to warrant a second one. But we it's been so long since we've seen it that I thought, well, surely it's gone, right? 
But I thought the same about Prey 2, which ended up being Prey. And I was like, surely they won't keep trying to make a Prey game after all this. But what do they do? They just attached the word Prey to a game that apparently wasn't supposed to be Prey and kind of went with I it. I wonder what that game was originally meant to be. Like, I as, don't know. As an original title. Because it had a really interesting premise. I yeah. need to get around to playing it. I saw it as like four ninety nine. Oh. Or not ninety nine on the store like two weeks ago or three Even weeks then, ago. not bad for a you know decent game. But I think that there was a lot. So you know, Rage Two happened, and the fact that it was coming in general was surprising, right? And it got people thinking about the oh, is it ID uh, Tech? Uh, is ID Tech making it another tech, Doom? Right? Yeah. Is it ID Tech? I mean, whatever you call it, whatever you want to, probably ID Tech. But my point being, is it them? Is it someone else? If it is someone else, what is it? Uh, and that was kind of odd. And then coming out and having it be the Just Cause team, and having it be a game that is very reminiscent in some ways of Mad Max which is a game I just recently played this year and it, and it's a fine game and I actually will say going and moving a team that made a game like that and meeting them up with id actually uh, supervising a little bit of it like you know uh, uh, I guess a supervisual role um, and trying to help them make sure the game feels correct to the rage thing I yeah. think taking that Mad Max gameplay and moving it into what I hope is a very Doom inspired um, first person shooter style yeah. would be a perfect mixture for a number of reasons and I think it is bold for them to go this route with another big open world shooter uh, with the only other one that you ever see really be uh, that in that same style and vein be something like Borderlands um I'm glad the Borderlands 3 is apparently not going to be shown. I think that's something that's important about that. So I think that that's my biggest surprise, too, okay. uh, from a pre-E3 standpoint. I'm curious to see what that answer ends up being after everything's said and done. I'm hoping Bloodborne 2 is, the, is that answer. Yep. But for our main topic of the show, we have our boy, Hassan. He always comes to us with a question in the inbox. For those of you who remember Elchabib. Elchabib. He always comes to us in the inbox with his questions, and they're always fantastic, and they're always are fun to answer. So that is what we decided to go with the topic up. This is kind of almost a fluff episode in a weird way with it being. I want to say with week. it, we're going to have a lot of stuff going on with E3 and it's going to be news. is it's, a very odd thing. It's going to be, and it's going to be uploaded weirdly. Like you're going to get it. You, you got an episode Sunday, night for us for EA, EA. You're going to get an episode Monday, night alongside this episode. And then you're going to get two. Oh, you're probably going to get Sunday. EA tonight to be fair. So that's Saturday. You're night. breaking the illusion. <laughs> You're breaking the illusion. People are not be listening. They're not listening to this today. They're listening to this on Monday. Sure, anyways, go ahead. So continue. Anyways, but I'll break more of the illusion. We want to do like a little fluff thing. Uh, nothing super going on in the news that we wanted to do a topic about. So he came to us with a question, and he well, says, we've, "We've been very topical lately. Sorry, we have been very topical lately." But he says, "Hey guys, what four games define you and have really stuck in your head as the perfect game for you? Mine are The Last of Us on PS3, Fallout 3 on PSV." Final Fantasy VIII on PS1, and Crash Bandicoot 2 on PS1. He has a couple honorable mentions there, uh, talking about Battletoads on the Nintendo, Quake 3 Arena on Dreamcast, and Skyrim on PS3. So, Brett, what four games across all years of time... Or do you want to do this generation? Hold on. Well, no, I, I think all years of time is fine. Okay. Uh, but real quick, the way you said "Hey guys" sounded like Jack Tretton whenever he used to come out. Be like, "Hey guys, hey guys, who is that?" I don't know who that is. The old Sony. And actually, it's funny because you sound like the way that Colin and Greg used to <laughs> used to make fun of Jackie T. Hey oh. guys, Jackie T here. Okay. 
I know it's funny. I know him when they reference him to that, but I didn't know his actual. Yeah, last Jack Tratton. He's the old president that uh, hey guys. came before Mister Sean Layden. Um, Love Sean Layden. Big old. Okay, so this is what Lori's head. <laughs> I think this is a fantastic question. Oh no, it is. Uh, yeah, so this it's a very important question to ask yourself too. That's why I think it's important to go multi generational, right? Right. I don't think it's smart to pin it down to one. I mean, yeah, from a standpoint, I mean, your your four games are going to feel very different to what defines you now versus what has defined you throughout your whole life. Because I think that certain games define you at moments and they stick with you because of it, even though in later years you may not feel the same way about them, that nostalgia paints them that way forever. Right. I will always feel the way I feel about Crash Bandicoot because I, I think it's so intrinsically tied to my childhood and some of the only good memories I have as a childhood uh, in my childhood, like I'm not going to say only good ones, but you know, it's, it's some of my most fond memories of my childhood. Right. Um, so, I mean, when you're dealing with stuff like that, I think that you know, as you go throughout time and stuff hits you, uh, I've talked a lot about games that I think really defined, uh, I want to say even time periods of my life uh, in different ways, and they have continued to stick with me because of that, and I think that, you know, your past always carries forward with you. Of course. And uh, that's, of course, why you have games like Kingdom Hearts 3 just making me stop breathing because yeah. it pulls you back to a time when it's like, there was literally a point in my, in my, my life where I didn't think that anything would ever be more important to me than Kingdom Hearts. That's true. Which sounds like a weird thing to say, but it's just, it is what it is. Um so Saul, I think, how do you want to do it? Do you want to... I'll let you go first. Do you want to go literally across all, or do you want to tr- t- take a little creative liberty and say one game per generation? Because if you no, think about no, the way no, they no, move no, through no, generation... No, no, no. Okay. No. Well, my we'll idea was, if it goes across generation, and that might be the way that mine ends up going. It's hard to say. Mine's going to um, be majority from the... Well... Maybe not. I was gonna say a majority from this generation, but I think I have a couple in there that won't be. Well, the reason I say that is because, like you know, every generation you do a lot of growing, and I think that you learn yeah. a lot about yourself in the time periods of what, when a console's out. Like I've definitely learned and grown a lot since the PlayStation Four has been out alone. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the PS3, a lot happened, you know, and you grow up, and that was like where me transitioning into adulthood. So you learn about these games in very different ways. So I'm gonna say mine is gonna be breaking down across the four PlayStations, and I think that's perfectly. In the way that my mind's going to do it, it's going to make more sense to me. So I'm going to agree with you on this. I'm not going to say Crash Bandicoot 2. I'm going to say Crash Bandicoot 3. And I do think that that's just due to a time period of when I played them versus when I was able to play the most and had the most uh, cognitive ability to understand what I was doing really, really well in a way that stuck with me. That I can remember my my memories of playing the first time Crash Bandicoot three more vividly than I can anything. I can remember playing Crash Bandicoot the first time, two the first time, but not as vividly. I just have fond memories that I know that it, I enjoyed them. But I'm going to say Crash Bandicoot 3. And I think because, you know, it perfectly encapsulates being a kid and it's being fun and silly. I think that Crash Bandicoot is a great character for that. Yeah. Uh, he embodies the 90s in the way that uh, he embodies 90s cartoons really well. Aww. It's actually what I love. Uh, Crash Bandicoot should not be quotable, but he is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and that's what it comes down to. How do you quote someone who doesn't talk? But I mean, that's that's where he stands in my mind. I constantly will just stupid things will happen. I'll be like, whoa, uh, and you know, and this. <laughs> so I mean, I don't know. I constantly find myself. I, I think that Crash Bandicoot is like a comfort food for me. Like, you know, when I'm, yeah. in a, when I'm in a bad mood, I just think about Crash Bandicoot or I play Crash Bandicoot and it makes me feel better. I love that series. Uh, and it's, it's a different time in gaming. It's a different time in my life. And they kind of mesh together. Gaming was at a point where platforms were really important and having characters that were really cool and like 
Crash Bandicoot, he's a cool enough character, but I mean, he's a memorable character. He's, yeah. he's somebody that you see him and you know him. Now, character-based games had always been going on, but they weren't always that memorable. Do I love Boogerman and remember Boogerman? Yes. And a lot of that was in the personality of moving throughout the game with him. Right. But Crash just stands so present in my mind that while there were others that did it, and I know for a lot of people that's Mario, um, Mario just wasn't it for me. Uh, so I'm going to say Crash Bandicoot 3. I love that one. Do you want to do one, 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 one? No, one? no, you can go ahead and do all, all mine. All, all three. Uh, right left. Okay, so I'm now I'm going to move into the PlayStation Two generation, and I think that that's a good, a good exactly way to go into. It it's Kingdom Hearts. Yep. It's the first Kingdom Hearts. Yep. Uh, and I've talked I'm about a that. Kingdom Hearts Two, my ad nauseum. Kingdom Hearts was the first time that a okay, and this sounds crazy because I did play the, the PS One JRPGs on PS One, but you remember them a little differently, and I've gone back and played other ones again to give me different like, and I respect them a lot more because of that. I played Final Fantasy Nine at launch, and I liked it at launch, but when I went back and played it later in my life, I love Final Fantasy. That's 9. not a PS Two game, PS One, but I, I, oh. it's, it's mixing in. I thought okay, I thought you're I thought you're about to compare a PS Two RPG. No, no, no. So okay, where I'm like, going wait, though is that Kingdom Hearts was the first time that a game made me really have like a where I was notably able to go, wow, this is having a real emotional effect yeah. on me in a way that I can't believe it is. Yeah, no, uh, I totally I, agree. And I think it was a mixture of things. And now the other thing is that it was the first time that I was like, 100% was like, oh man, JRPGs will be a staple in my life from yeah. now ever after. There's, um, I have a game that's going to correlate with that on my list too that, that started everything for me for that. And I think the other thing is, I, I know Kingdom Hearts is a very... Uh, divisive series. I know it's obviously well loved. It's sold a ton of things, and the fact that we're seeing a third game come out in a long line of games this long after the original one came out in 2002. Um, when you're dealing with that, like I know that Kingdom Hearts is a little divisive, but the thing about it is, I think that it encapsulates a generation of people who are coming up at a certain age. There's a small age window where I think people who were somewhere between eight and maybe even uh, you know lower teenage years, like 13, 13 14, yeah. um, it just hit them in such a way that that I think it engrossed you in, in a way that felt so real and so along the things that, of what you thought mattered to you. When I was that age, friendship was so important, and it still is. It is but yeah. it's a very different thing. Like you know, you're oh, learning yeah. about friendship. Uh, you don't quite understand betrayal, and it feels like and you have more times. It those feels friends. like when the stuff happens in that game with with the characters. In case you've not played Kingdom Hearts, I'm I'm gonna do you the favor of not spoiling it for you. I should. Yeah. Well, yeah. But. My point being, uh, when the stuff goes on through the game and you see friends betraying friends and all this stuff going on, it's like it felt so much different in that point in my life. And I still love it going back to it, but I think it was more raw and different because you're under, you're growing and understanding things. So I do think that Kingdom Hearts is a mixture of a product of its time and a product of the people who played it when it was coming out. I think yeah. a lot of people were just getting into games in a very heavy way, and I know that Kingdom Hearts, I constantly say, is one of the games that broke me over into considering myself to be a very serious gamer. No, yeah. uh, whereas Crash Bandicoot was like, oh, I'm a gamer. I'm for sure a gamer. I'm playing them, but I'm poor. I don't have a lot of things. But then I, I got a really hard yearn to play games after beating Kingdom Hearts. I was like I need more more games. games. Yeah, um, no, I agree. That game has a very similar. I say two more so, but uh, yeah, that game had a very similar effect on me. I, and I think that two two stands differently because you've already played one. I think it depends. You played two first. I did play two first. So I think that's so the, that's, that's the, my baby. That's where it goes. So I my, think it hits baby. you at different times. Uh, for PlayStation Three, uh, really, really trying to hit what is the best for PlayStation Three is hard because PlayStation Three was a very long gen. A lot of stuff happened throughout that time period. Now, the thing about his question that I like is that he says 
it defines me and is it, a perfect game for perfect you. Perfect game for you. So these yes. are these are two things, right? And I think that trying to find what exactly hits on them, I think The Last of Us is a good hit. The Last of Us is another divisive game that obviously sold very well. Uh, and while I wish that I could say that The Last of Us is what I consider that, it is a perfect game to me. And I think in some areas it could define me because I think a lot of what made me love the game is the character relations between these people. Um and that does define the way that I view life and go through life. And I do think that's a great answer. But from a more visceral, just straight on gameplay level, uh, I have to say, as an encapsulating of my entirety of PlayStation 3, it's Nier. The original Nier. Yeah, I get that. Um, Nier came very late for me in the PlayStation cycle. I actually did not play it at launch, even though it came out in 2010. I didn't play it until early 2012. Um, after I'd kind of seen enough people coming in over and over again and trying to get it on Xbox or PlayStation. And I was like, man, oh, what I is this that was on game? Xbox, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and I was like, what is this game? It looks awesome. It sounds awesome. And Jonathan had moved in and he was like, yeah, I played it with my brother and it was, I really liked it. And I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to play try. it. I'm going to break over. I played Drakengard. I liked Drakengard. I was like, okay, whatever. Let's see. Uh, and the game just encapsulated me in a way that very similar to Kingdom Hearts, but in a much more adult manner. Right. The, the themes and tones of that game. I think set up a lot of what people like, you know, you don't, it's, 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 it's fitting with moving into adulthood. Kingdom Hearts is about things eventually, ultimately always turning out to be relatively good, but with a spin of back on the sun, like they're good, but they're good for now. It's a realistic good. Yeah. It, it's good for now, but there is that little bit in the background. Like this is going to come back to bite you yeah. soon. It's that looming. Uh, good. yeah, very, yeah. So or good with a looming evil in yeah. the back or whatever you want to call it. I'll leave a, a looming darkness, uh, which I think was fine for growing up. And that's a good way to, uh, you know, analogize going into life. But I think, Right. Near is dark in the front and telling you that, yes, life is full of dark times and things are going to happen. But what you choose to do in those moments are what's going to matter the most. And I think the weight of everything you do in that game and the decisions you have to somehow you have to somewhat make uh, as you're going throughout the game. And it's not a decision in the same sense. They do play out. But you feel because of the way they, they chose to do the characters. I think that you feel with what they're doing and you feel like it is you ultimately making a decision. And the third and fourth ending are absolutely decision based. Yeah. Um, so somewhere in between the two, I think Nier's great, and it showed a very darker side of life that uh, gaming up to that moment, I hadn't felt hit the same way, and I don't think many games past it have hit the same way, besides Nier Automata uh, and a couple of other, like I think uh, Drakengard 3, very much the same. I think Yoko's got a very interesting way of telling stories in games in a way that most other people will not do. Right. Um, and I'm not going to say it all because there have been some other dark games that, I mean, we could get into. But uh, I, I think that we've seen Detroit, depending on how you play it, comes out with some very weighty and dark things. Uh, but there's something about that that's like, yeah, you know, that's life. Uh, and it hurts in a way that feels real. real, And it feels reasonable to the experience of living. Uh, I love that. Now, PlayStation 4, it, it's very hard to say because, you know, I'm not, I've not yet looked back at this gen in a full encapsulated measure. Right. And, you know, you play games, and then sometimes you come back to them, because I'm playing games over again, more often like I was doing in the PS3 game uh, era when I was playing PS2 games again. Um, but when you're going back to the games on the same system, playing them, like you said with Bloodborne, going back to Bloodborne, you're actually realizing that you like it more in your head than you do on actually playing it now. Yeah. Um, Which is crazy, because... I think I think really what it is is that going back to this game that is not quite the game series that it is a in correlation with and having tempered expectations of that game series. So you go you're playing Dark Souls three and then you go into Bloodborne and it's completely different and 
now that we are um, using triangle to heal instead of square. Sure. We're not getting refillable Estus shards. There is no bonfire. You have to go back to the Hunter's Dream to heal. You cannot lay down at the at the lantern. And it's stuff that isn't a big deal. It's just so drastically different. And it is that as good as Bloodborne is, I've had more fun with Dark Souls 3. However, Bloodborne is the better game. I'll say it like that. I, You know what? That's a great way to word it, and yeah. I will agree. I think that that's a great way to word it. Um, Dark Souls so, 3 was just generally across all boards, but I'll get in that well, list and, in a Yeah, and then just to finish that thought real quick, I mean, Dark Souls, and we could, you can finish it yourself, but Dark Souls had the benefit of learning from Bloodborne. Yeah, and I think that... Uh, and the, iterating on Bloodborne the engine in some ways. And the, using the Bloodborne engine and such, too, was yeah. a really good benefit for 3. So my PS4 game currently, and, I, and, and I'm trying to really make it not be near Automata, uh, and I'm going to go a different route. And I think because the game was weighty enough on me in a way that I also feel like is very worthy. And it's and it hits different tones. Whereas Automata hits a lot of the same tones um, as Nier. Uh, no, as the original Nier. I'm not going to go God of War. Even oh. though I think God of War is great. And Surprise. it's so high up there. It is good. It, and, and I think... It, it may change to God of War when I have even more time to reflect on yeah, everything. Yeah, that's the thing about that's it. That's the thing. How you, fresh it is. Uh, you still have to give yourself time to reflect, but I've had plenty of time to reflect, and I actually am going to say that from a pure making me feel a certain way and in a way that I think is very true to who I am as a person um, and the things that I really love, I you know me, I'm an animal lover. I love animals so much. The Last Guardian. Oh, I the, was like, the, what? Where's this going? The relationship... With Trico, Trico, whatever you want to call him, Trico, Trico, um, is oh my god, dude! That game does so much with so little that it honestly is. It was breathtaking to me when I was playing it. Did it have a couple of clunky camera? Yes, and I know that some people thought it controlled poorly and and and, and, and you know archaically. Whatever, I don't quite agree with that. I think that they have their own style that all their games have controlled this way. I don't yeah. think it's a product of their era because I don't even remember other PS2 games controlling the way those did. It is just something that they do. Now, should it have changed? I think that's in the eye of the beholder. I think it was fine outside of these slight moments where the camera would catch up. I only had one real moment that that happened to me, but I understand it's frustrating. Yeah. But the frustration doesn't matter. The experience as a whole, including the frustration that people had with with saying that Trico, Trico, whatever, didn't listen. There's a video game donkey video about that game. It's hilarious. Oh, really? I'll show you. I'm going to have to look at that. But my thing is, is that, you know, that game was very divisive, too. And it's funny that a lot of the games I'm talking about are very divisive in very different ways because they obviously have huge fan bases of people that love them. Right. There's, yeah. a, there's a very vocal group of people who v- don't. Very much so. And, and very yeah. vocal. The Last of Us being one of them. Is it obviously greatly loved? Of course. But there are a lot of people who are very vocal about the fact that The Last of Us to them is mediocre. And that's okay. But. What came out around the same time as Shadow of the Colossus did? The remake? What, this year? Yeah. I don't... I just never realized I never beat Shadow of the Colossus. Like, it's still sitting there. Oh, I've man. never beat it. I cannot believe that. I don't know, because that it's was... It's something that made me completely forget... February, about- right? Was when it came out? Monster Hunter. Yeah. I okay. can see that. I got to go back and beat that again. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think that that game and the way that it built the relationship justice. between the two was really awesome to me. I thought that was a really cool way to pull that off. Uh, and it just felt... As somebody who loves dogs and loves to go through that, it felt like giving me a dog in a very short window of time, letting me build. And I, the dog is just where I'm going with it. But giving, no, me, giving me this creature that I'm going to have this bond with, and it's odd to me that they were able to convey such of a, this much of a bond in this game the way they did, that it ended up sticking with me in such a crazy way that I still think, dude, the ending literally made me, and I, I'm not ashamed to admit it at all, the ending made me cr- tear up. 
I, I basically cried at the ending. And I will say, yes, I did cry at the beginning of The Last of Us. I don't care who, you, I, I don't care anything, even if The Last of Us is a bad game from as an entire package. The beginning of that game gets me every single time, even worse now that I'm a, that I'm a father. Um, but when I'm dealing and you know, when, I, when I'm dealing with that, it's the same thing. I am one of those weird people. And I know some people hate this, but I'm one of those people that I love my daughter and she's obviously my family, but my dogs are my family and my children just as much as my daughter. Yeah. And if anything happened to them and I saw them do the same things, it's like, it was very heart wrenching. Oh no. Yeah. That gets me. So too. those are my four, but Saul, let's go ahead and hear yours. Sure. So I'm going to be a fairly quick with mine just because I've talked about these games. Almost everyone I'm going to list here in length at some point in this podcast and we're going to start at the very beginning because I'm kind of doing this in a weird order similar to you, but it's really kind of different because you have a Nintendo fan on this. And I know you're a Nintendo fan as well. Sure. This is where we're going to get some Their vari- games have variety. just never stru- – their exclusives have never struck me the same way. Well, but, yeah. And I didn't play a lot of the exclusive third party, but go ahead. Right. So we have Link to the Past. If it wasn't for that game, the very first game I ever played, uh, I don't think – I think that coming into gaming would have been a little different. Uh, it would have been, I actually know it would have been different just because of what we had. And, um, you know, I, it, it, it amassed a love for Zelda, which was great. Absolutely. So, and I think Zelda's a great game. And I think that Zelda's I, a great game, a great series, yeah. sorry, a great game series. Uh, but it's a good game, uh, a link to the past is a great game and, yes. and Zelda is a great series. And now whether I, you know, we talked a, a lot about how I feel about breath of the wild. Right. And I think that, you know, I do think that you are generally in the consensus with me in the fact that. It is a little overshot, but I, I know that you do think it's a great game. Oh, well, Breath um, of the Wild? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's a 10 like everybody says. Yeah. I think that it does things that other games do, uh, crafting, recipes, sure. uh, free roam. I think it just does it well for a Zelda game. Yeah, I mean, and that's it, cool, but yeah, I'm with you. I mean, uh, so much spawning a franchise it. like that, but I, I get you. This is the weight of making, and it's, it's similar to what Crash Bandicoot is for me, where it's like it's the weight of making you a gamer yeah. and also pulling you into a series that you still love to this day. Exactly. It paved a way into um, a, a franchise that, I still will play to this day. Some of my favorite games of all time, including Link to the Past, are all in there with it. And I, I, I have to give Link to the Past credit for that because I can't imagine how different my gaming um, story or my gaming life would history, whatever yeah, you call history it, yeah. would be now if I never played that game. Um, because we also had Super Mario All Stars, but and I didn't enjoy that game that much. Uh, for those that don't know, that was a collection of like the four to five Super Mario games that it came out um, on Super Nintendo and Nintendo, and it was on the Super Nintendo. Um, but the second game, and I, and I love my childhood for this. I'll never forget this being a big part of my childhood in many ways, whether it was owning merchandise, watching the show, playing the games, playing the card game. It's Pokemon Red. Okay. Because... I think it, Pokemon's a great answer. Yeah, Pokemon, it solidified my love for turn-based RPGs. It solidified my love for another series I still love very dear to this day, except Pokemon Go. Um, but, and it's just, it's one of those things that, like, you get so encompassed by it when you're young that you will always love it forever because of that. And it's something that... I is, do agree. It's rare that somebody can have something in their childhood and it still be relative and evolving when you're 27 years old and still be massively successful, massively successful yeah. uh, or successful. Yeah. Um, but Pokemon red first Pokemon game I ever played. Uh, so there we go for that. Ha- have I ever told you that yellow was actually the first one I ever played? No, but I'm a little jealous. I wanted yellow. Yeah. Uh, I wanted yellow because of the Pikachu, but uh, I got red and I choose Charmander, which Charizard overhyped score okay. to where yet. Um, but yeah, I didn't get a Game Boy until um, until Yellow had already come out, and it just happened to be the newest one. 
Yeah. Uh, and I ended up getting it because I did not understand that it was like a different game, but also similar. Well, yeah, and it's also weird that um, Red and Blue are, are Game Boy games. Mm-hmm. I got a Game Boy Color. Yeah. I, it, you know what? I just now found that out like 10 years ago. I did not know that growing up that I had a game for a system previous to that. I thought those were for Game Boy Color specifically. Yeah, no, they came out in Game Boy. No, now, so what, silver and stuff is what changed. Yeah, well, silver, well no, but silver and gold. Yeah, silver and gold could still be played on the Game Boy. That's what was wild. Silver and gold could be played on Game Boy, but they didn't have color. Now, Nintendo, where's your backwards compatibility at this generation? Because that's some back, that's some weird backwards compatibility there. Uh, that's forwards compatibility, I guess. Yeah, right? that's, that's, that's 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 an Xbox. That's futuristic compatibility. Um, but yeah, if it wasn't for those games, I don't think I would have picked up any of the Final Fantasy games uh, because every time I played a Final Fantasy game, starting with ten and going all around, was because I was like, oh, that turn-based system or that system is like Pokemon. Oh, I didn't yeah. even know that was a thing in sure, games. Sure. So it opened up a wide number of games for me. My third game on the list is Nier Automata. And it's a very odd answer because while it's not a 10 out of 10 by any means, it is one of my favorite, if not, now that I've now that I've gone back to Bloodborne, I'm having these arguments in my head of what I like better with Bloodborne and Dark Souls made me realize that I think I like Nier Automata better than the, Bloodborne. Oh, wow. So I don't know. Like It's still, it's there's such... So you know, perfect games for me that I can't decide. Real, real quick, like you're saying that you said that Nier Automata is not a ten out of ten, but that and this goes back to the, that's why I like the way he worded it. It's the perfect game for you. Like you yeah, know, it's, yeah, it's not it, about it, the game not. being an objective ten out of ten. Exactly. It's about the game being a ten out of ten in my mind. Exactly. And here is the important lesson that it taught me. It had good values. I keep moving the stupid mic. It has good values. The gameplay was fun. The combat was fun. The game was diverse. It had so many different ways of combat in it. It you could it changed so much. The characters are lovable. The story was solid, and the amount of replayability is amazing. That's not why that game's on the list, though. The game is on this list because it has taught me that I may hate a game when I first try it. That does not mean that I will hate that game forever. It taught me to give games chances instead of just throwing them out away at the first look at. Because I played that game three times. I got it at launch. Tried to play through it once. I did not like it that much, or I kept getting distracted by something else. So what I did was, I put it on my shelf and tried again in May of the same year. I was on vacation for my birthday. And then I did not like it. So I was like, this is not fun for me. I'm going to trade it in. But after hearing all the hype about it, and, I, and after, like, maybe I'll give it one more shot. I'll get a little bit further in. And getting about five to six hours in instead of two or three, because the game's slow. Whatever. Yeah, no, it, it is a slower um, start. Yeah. But once I got that far into it, I loved it. And I loved it a lot. Well, I say it's a slower start. It's a mixture because yeah. technically the first mission is kind of bombastic. No, no, no. It's it's slow in terms of pace. Yes, uh, and no, I agree. In terms of action, it's way up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I love near Automata. I uh, I will recommend it day on and day out. And I think that it is or day in and day out. And I think that uh, that's the reason I put on this list is because the values is instilled in me is to just give games second chances, which is a great uh, value because you know yeah. it's funny. I'm a little, I noticed that you found that out a lot in the past two years. Like a couple of games you've gone back to and been like, wow, I don't know why I yeah. thought that that wasn't good. But um, that it's happened to me a few times and there's been a few games that have taught me the same thing. And it's kind of crazy when you go back to a game that in your mind you've built up that, not that you hated it, but you're like, I just, it's I just, just don't it's, like it. It's not worth my time. It's not yeah, worth and my that's, time. And that's why I gave Surge a second chance. Sure, I got it for free uh, on this, this recent PlayStation Store thing, but... I went back to it. I'm just like, man, 
it's just not fun for me. It's just not a good game in my eyes, so I'm just going to And see, I'm going to do the same thing with The Surge, because you remember, I got a good way through The Surge, and yeah. it just, I dropped it, and I was like, ah. And I, don't, just, I didn't know if I wasn't feeling it at the time or what, but I mean, there was, what it is for there me. was just, some legitimate... It was repetitive. Yeah, there were some legitimate things. Like I said, like uh, repetitive enemy, you know, right. uh, enemy typings and stuff, uh, which was... But I also wonder, because I was excited for the game up until it came out. Yeah, and I mean, I'll tell you right now, I, I gave it a second chance. I gave it a solid second chance. The same goes for Witcher 3. I played The Witcher 3, I got mad because of how dull it was. Because I got through the first two hours, the Griffin Quest or whatever, the first two and a half hours of the game after some exploring. Which is either great not, or bad for you, yeah, depending I, on what you think. I, you know. And I, I, I faulted the game because I was like, I do not understand what is going on in this game. Like They have done a poor, poor job of telling me what is going on, who is this character I'm chasing after, what is her relevance to me. It did not do a good job of doing that. Um, and I tried it again with a more open mind. I'm going to go back again, because it's not that I don't like the game. It's just it's not working for me, just the same way Nier was. Um, but I'm going to go back again. I, I downloaded it digitally this time, so I can't, I can't have traded it in and have no excuse. And I'm going to try it one more time, maybe sometime soon. Um, but my last game on the list, and even though I did not start with this game in the series, it has climbed its way to the top of this list, um, which is in no specific order. But it is Dark Souls 1. And... I think that okay. Dark Souls 1 is the game that instilled the love in me of this series. Demon Souls was the first one I played because when I told myself I got that gaming lull back in 2013, late 2012, I think, whenever, yeah. whenever yeah. it was, I lived at the Lynx. It was before the PS4 was, I mean, yeah, PS4 was out, so I think it was yeah. either late 2012 or early 2013. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and uh, I got in that gaming lull. I had that PS3, so I played through Uncharted 3 a little bit, and then I needed stuff for it. So I played through Dishonored, and then I played through a couple of other games, and then I forgot about Demon's Souls, and I went and picked up Demon's Souls. And I got a fair amount of fun out of Demon's Souls. Despite the very first time I played it, I got to the um, the mountain area. I can't think of its name right now. Uh, that's the second area, I think. And, yeah, it's been uh, a long time I've played Demon's Souls, but I know where you're talking about. I, I don't know the name. got invaded by somebody with a, uh, like a degradation um Jim on his weapon and he just completely he broke all my armor that I was wearing and I and I had to grind to fix it all and I did not want to do that um, and I, I went back to Demon Souls after that because I quit right then yeah. I think I've told this before um, and I went to Dark Souls 1 but Dark Souls 1 is the game that I'll have fond memories of and I and like I said this it's this game for the love of the series this is not my favorite game of the series I think Dark Souls 1 is also a very flawed experience there are people that are complaining that the remaster didn't fix things and what they realized in complaining about it is just how many get flaws the game actually had that they wanted to fix. Like, this is all, like, you, you, you're mad at a company because they made a remaster of it. And I understand. I get it. But the game had a lot of flaws to begin with. Like, the game was flawed, and you were hoping for a fix. Um, but other than that, like, I'll never forget opening up shortcuts to get back to Firelink Shrine in that game. And being like, wow, this world is really, really well interconnected. And taking on ONS... Ornstein and Smog, because I hate saying Smog's name, because uh, who knows? I have heard so many people say it differently. Um, but Ornstein and Smog so much, and like the first time you fight them, it was a great experience. And it, it taught me that it's like, because I went to this, and you were there with me. I, I went into the series, and Dark Souls 2 was already out, because I got the Dark Souls 2 Collector's Edition at GameStop one night yep. with me and him there. Um, so I had the luxury of having all these games uh, available all for me to try out. And I think that if it wasn't for Demon Souls to get me to Dark Souls and then for Dark Souls to instill this love of the game series in me, that 
I would not have the games that I like today so much that I have to choose from. I would not have been able, or I probably would have played Bloodborne, but Dark Souls 3 being such a, a fantastic game for me, I'm seriously addicted to that game, send help. Um, but, yeah, it's just been, that, I think that right there is the, is one of the perfect games in my eyes, despite it being flawed, but and despite it having its weird quirks, its weird bugs and glitches and stuff that luckily aren't that present on console remastered, but, you know, it is on PC, and I think that it, it, it just works really, really well for me. I think it's a perfect game for me. Um, I still like Dark Souls 3 better, but I've talked so much about that game that it's like a heroin addict talking about heroin, so I got to stop about that because i got to break the addiction somehow. Yeah? Yep, but that's it. That's my four games. Okay, well, good. Hey, uh, LTB, thanks for the, uh, the question, Thank man. It's a yeah. great question. So what we want to do now, uh, because this is a great question for this, we want to know what are your four games that you think define you? Well, let us know in the comments below. Let us know on Twitter. Let us know in the Discord chat if you want to join us. The Discord chat's uh, down below in the description. If you like what we're doing and you want to support us on Patreon, even give us a dollar. helps us deal with uh, equipment costs, which will definitely help with also the uh, cost for keeping this uh, podcast going up on podcast fees, services. Yeah, for SoundCloud. Um, so things like that. If you, want to, uh, if you want to help us, that's great. We'd appreciate it. But if you don't, then the show will continue to be free. No problem. Uh, you can always join Join in with us, uh, and yeah, let us know what you think. I think this is a this is a question ripe with answers. Now, oh, I think is. I would yeah. like I would like it to either be in comments or somewhere where you can go longer form than Twitter, uh, unless you just want to message us on Twitter. And Discord, because the thing is, yeah, Discord's great too because we can go back and forth. Yeah, a lot um, of people are scared about Discord for some reason. There's so much activity. You know, I don't think Liam and Hokuto have known each other that long. Like, I don't think they're friends outside of this, but boy, are they best friends now from our Discord. I love it. Yeah, I love it's, it, too. We have Discord's incredibly fun. In, yeah, it has fantastic interactions in there. But yeah, I think this would be a great question for Discord or something we can go longer for because I, I not only do I really want to know what your four games are, I would like... I, it's, it's one of those things... I, I like the way that Saul chose to do it, and I actually think it's a great way to do it. Uh, but the way I did it made sense for me, and I feel like I'm probably not alone in that. There's something about something a game that encapsulates a time period in your life. Yeah. But yeah, I'd, I'd like to know exactly why. I mean, like I, the the most fun part about this question is not just naming the games; it's about saying why I feel that and way and how about different them. they can be, very person to person. Because you understand, you know, somebody may love like World of Warcraft for a specific reason, and somebody else may love it for a different. See, and, and and I actually think that, and, and like you know what, the fact that I did not bring up RuneScape in this is is a really because yeah. RuneScape is a huge part of my life, uh, and and I do think it defines me in a lot of ways. But I wanted to keep it with something that had a more. Uh, I don't want it's terrible. terrible. It's just different, huh? What? <laughs> What'd you say? RuneScape's terrible. Mid- Thank you guys for tuning in. Be sure to oh, Saul might be dead next time. I just realized there's a massive camera bounce. Look at that. Yeah. Okay. Well, don't do that. We will see you for the next episode, which will be I think 64 at that point. 64. So this has been Triangle Square. Thank you. Thank you guys.